Welcome one, welcome all. It's week one of the 2021 regular season. We've got a great podcast. It's the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? And I am super excited to announce my guest for this week. It's week one and for the first time ever, Mark Ingram running back on this podcast. He signed with the Texans this offseason. He was with David Culley with the Baltimore Ravens, so he's got some experience there. He's got a lot of experience in the NFL and a lot of experience outside the NFL because we're going to get into it. We're going to get into his podcast. We're going to get into the do's and don'ts of interviewing people and what he's learned over the years. He's part of the ownership of DC United. He has played in college football. He's obviously the 2009 Heisman Trophy winner. He played for Nick Saban, but he's also faced Urban Meyer, who he'll face on Sunday when the Texans host the Jags. So we're going to get into all of that. And also, it is Jaguars week. It's week one. It's the beginning of the Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence era. And I sat down with J.P. Shadrick of the Jaguars Radio Network to talk about this Jags team, what the expectations are going to look like. They were 1-15 last year, so... You know, is it Super Bowl or bust for this Jaguars team? Are they just excited to have a winning season? What do they hope to accomplish uh, with all this new staff, the, the new players, the new head coach? What sort of turnaround are they expecting? We get into all of that with J.P. Shadrick as well. It's all coming up on this week's podcast. But first, Texans fans, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston so you can do more of what you love. Stream the game on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network and keep your home team happy with a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? And let me just get right into it. It's Mark Ingram, and this was a long interview that we had with him. So, um, you know, we're just gonna dive right in. I love that you really get to see a sense of his personality and who he is and all the different things that he's involved in and, and what he really brings to the table. It's really no surprise that the players have taken such a liking to Ingram, you'll see it uh, right here when we sat down on the Deep Slant podcast presented by Xfinity. Three-time Pro Bowler, 11-year vet, first year with the Texans, Mark. I love interviewing you. I've seen you out on the field, and you have so much energy. And I know you say that this is just who you are all the time, but it uh, to me it feels like you've been here longer than just throughout training camp in this offseason. Does it feel the same way to you? Yeah, you know, uh, I just think being around good people and um, – you know, just been feel like home, feel comfortable around my guys, feel comfortable around the staff. Um, everyone makes, you know, feel good. And so it's been an easy, smooth transition and definitely feels like I've been here longer than just like two months or whatever it's been. But um, everyone's been very nice and especially you. So, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, I've, I've seen you out on the field. It seems like it, whether it's the running backs or even on the defensive side of the ball, like the vets, like you're in with all of them because we used to do this question of the day in camp and everybody was joking around with you. Everyone felt very comfortable making fun of you and playing around with you. So it seems like you, you get along with everybody no matter what side of the ball or what level of experience they have. So uh, what, what's your secret? I want to know what the secret is to just – getting into a locker room and, and just getting that familiar with guys, especially a bunch of new guys that quickly? Man, I think it's just being honest and being genuine and just being real. Like, when somebody's trying to put up a front or, like, forcing something, like, you can kind of tell, like, if it's fabricated or if it's not real, it's not genuine. You can kind of, like, feel it. So I just try to be genuine, just try to be real, just try to be myself. Um, I'm a human being who, you know, I've had successes, I've had failures. I've been able to overcome adversity. 
Um, I have a family that I love. You know what I mean? I want to be the best at what I do. I work my butt off, and I have my flaws. So I just try to be real. I just try to be genuine, just just connect with everybody, and um, just treat people how I want to be treated. Like, it sounds so simple. My parents and my grandparents and everyone just kind of brought me up on those principles, just respect, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. And um, I just try to do that, you know, wherever I go. And um, I just have some great teammates who – are about the same thing. So whether it's on defense, offense, O-line, D-line, DBs, whatever it is, just great vibes, great camaraderie, and real recognize real. What's understood ain't got to be explained, and uh, simple as that. <laughs> All right, so you, you signed here because you know David Culley, and, and David Culley had said that they brought you here because you were really a part of what they wanted to do, and he knew what you were able to do, obviously, with your time with the Ravens. When you signed here, was this a – what your role, what you thought it was going to be, has it turned into what you thought it was going to be? Because I think when you signed here, none of us thought there would be five running backs on this roster. But obviously it's such a, a good, versatile group that it's hard to let anyone go. So is it what you expected when you signed with the team, and, and how is it shaking out so far for you? I mean, we just have a group of great guys, like both on the field, off the field. I mean, you have DJ. He's been all pro. Rex, playing nine years. Phil. 2,000-yard uh, seasons, uh, his rookie year in the second year, Pro Bowl. Scotty, a young guy who is explosive. He could do everything very well. And I think our running back room is just very versatile. You know what I mean? We all are running backs who can affect the game in, in, in many different ways. I feel like we all could run the ball. I feel like we all could come out the backfield and catch the ball. I feel like we all could um, pass protect. And I take pride in being a complete back, a three-down back. And um, now my role within the offense uh, you know, I'm going to just try to be the best at it. You know what I mean? Do everything I can to make plays and uh, put my team in success where we can win games. So um, whatever my role is, whatever they call my number, um, you know, I'm going to be trying to do my best, do my part to help us have success. So I believe in myself as being a complete back, a three-down back, guy who can run inside, outside, come out the backfield, run routes, catch the ball, um, pick up pass protection, third downs, whatever it may be. I, I work on that. I craft that daily, yearly, you know, so – um, I'm confident in my abilities in that way, but whatever my role is on the team uh, thus far, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I'm doing it to the best of my ability and I'm putting myself in position to have success to help the team. You've talked about some challenges you had in 2020 just with COVID and, and, and injuries and everything like that. Did you do anything differently this off season heading into year 11? No, not necessarily. Um, I think the things that I kind of ran into last year is just stuff, some things you can't control. Uh, I had somebody fall on my ankle and kind of just sprained my ankle, and that put me out for a few weeks. And then, obviously, the COVID thing, that put me out. And then uh, just, you know, how things went. Uh, you know, the organization wanted to go in a certain way. And, um, you know, I, I never felt like I was less of a player or my abilities had hindered. I just felt like, you know, there were just some circumstances that had happened. And, you know, it just – that happened to be 2020, you know. So this off season, I just went back to the drawing board. I was healthy because – I really didn't get too much wear on my body last year. I uh, didn't have many opportunities. So as bad as that was, I felt fresh and healthy going into the offseason. So going into the offseason where I didn't have any ailments or any injuries or anything I was nursing, I was able to attack the offseason, have a great offseason of training, have a great offseason of prehab, a great offseason of treatment. And I think all those variables kind of helped me have a great offseason where I was able to improve, where I was able to get better, where I was able to get fast, strong, explosive, healthy, and uh, I was able to come into training camp healthy and attack training camp and have a good training camp. And I'm just thankful to be on the team and have an opportunity to play this game that I love, be able to carry the ball, be able to uh, play football. So 
I didn't really do anything different this offseason. I just went back to the drawing board, kept working, kept grinding, mentally, physically, emotionally, put myself in a good position where I could come into the season and have a big year. You talk about grinding, and you're grinding on the field, but then you're doing all these things off the field, too. I'm so impressed with your – it's a weekly podcast, right? Yes, ma'am. The Players Tribune, and it's still coming out, so I'm – I'm I'm wondering like how you manage to balance all of them. But first, let's talk about your podcast. It's yes, trust levels, trust levels, or is it yes, big ma'am. trust levels? Trust levels, but you know it's always big trust. You like, are big you know trust. I mean? Big the trust. Podcast the is trust levels. Yes, yes, yes. And it's with Cameron Jordan, who you played yes, with with Cam the Saints. Jordan, my brother. Yep. Played. All right, you yes. guys had DeForest Buckner on this past week, who yes. you'll see this year yes. when the Texans play yep, the Colts twice a year. Okay, so. How does the podcast go? Do you think that being a podcast host makes you a better guest on other podcasts? I think so because you have an appreciation for a guest who gives you good content. Yeah. A good, uh, you have appreciation for a guest who is real and genuine and gives you answers and detail and stories and good stuff like that. So when you have good guests, you want to be a good guest. So in trust levels, you can go back to season one. We're in season two now. I think we've gotten better from season two to season one, but all our guests have been tremendous, and uh, we've learned a lot. You know, me and Cam, it's different. Like when you're hosting, like you two are hosting, and somebody else is like your guest is trying to. Everybody's trying to talk, so you gotta kind of like just stand back, let your co-host talk, or stand back, let your guest tell the story. Because even though we might know the guest, the audience might not know the guest, so we don't want to cut his story off. We want to let him tell his story, and um, I just think. Just being a host on a podcast, you learn to be a good guest on others' podcasts. I think it makes you a great conversationalist, too, because there's so many things that I used to do in a conversation that after hosting, I realized, like you're saying, you don't want to cut people off before mm-hmm. they're done. You want to really listen to what they're saying. You said you've had a lot of good guests. Who is the best guest, you think, or among the best guests that you've had so far? Man. I love your range of guests. They're not just football yes. players. You had, like, a fencing champion. Yes. You had like a golf. You've had yes. so many different players, yes. so or different types of athletes. Yes. So in season one, we had majority football players because it, okay. it was getting started. But we had majority football players. We had Todd Gurley. We had Derrick Henry. We had Alvin Kamara. We had a number of guys like just who were awesome on the podcast. We had Kittle. We had Kelsey. So we just had we had we had Wagner. We had a lot of guys. He's you know name I mean? dropping so, now. So we yeah. had. So that was the first <laughs> season. But this last season, we kind of wanted to expand, expand a little bit, go into some other sports because we have some connections. So, uh, but Drew Brees was awesome. You know, what I mean, he did that for us. Uh, Nick Saban, that was a great one. That was recently yes, too. Yeah, I yeah. Think that you, you like had a, you have a few ago. connections there. Yeah, right. Nick Saban, that was a great one, and I appreciate him coming on because I know he's super busy, right. you know, getting those boys ready to win the national championship. But, yeah, we had a fencer, uh, Miles Chanley Watson. We had um, Justin Thomas, you know, one of the best golfers in the world. We had Kamaru Usman, uh, UFC champion of the world, undisputed, still defending this title, my brother. We we just – it's just been great. Like, all the guests, I appreciate their time because they're busy. They don't have to do it, and they do it, and – it's always amazing. It's always amazing. It's, it's hard to coordinate the times, like, for everyone yeah. to get on. Well, especially with you, because yeah. you're doing it now in football no, season. No, no, no. So, everything, pre- so, so we pre-recorded. Oh. So it's so hard. It would be almost impossible during That's the season. That's why I was like, you know he I mean? just left practice. How does he put yeah, out a new yeah. podcast? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I'm putting out the the post at, like, 10 a.m. Like, he's about to go to practice. No, <laughs> like he just um, got home, and yeah. he's got the four So we, we, we uh, kind of work, you know, okay. March, April. Well, like May, June, kind of, and then we started putting them out in July. So we kind of had them recorded through like a two-month window, and we get all the editing done, the publicizing done, and uh, we drop them every week. You know what I mean? So they're pre-recorded. They're already recorded, but they're going to drop every Wednesday. 
Okay. The, the the audio drops every Wednesday, and then the YouTube channel where you can see like our faces and expressions that drops on YouTube every Thursday. So I, I think that's actually one of the best parts of watching the podcast. Sometimes it's great to see the guests, but then watching yours and Cam Jordan's reaction mm-hmm. to the answer is really funny as well. What's who's a guest that you haven't had on that you really are like itching to get on the podcast? Man, um, I mean, you've already dropped some really big names there. Yeah, we kind of want to. The Olympics was on, and I had a few Olympic, a few Olympians that I wanted to have on. Um, the girl who won the 400 meters and went, broke the world record. We want to oh, have yeah. her on. Mm-hmm. We want to have her on. We want to have. We just want to go crazy with it. We want to be legendary. That's I mean, you all. could probably get Simone. Yes. I mean, yeah, she was yeah. out of practice. Right. So. Right. Yes, yeah, she was out of practice. But we're just versatile. We're very. <laughs> we just want legendary vibes. Because it's all about the trust levels, the biggest of the trust of the levels. Mm. If you listen to the podcast, you know, you'll hear this several times. But we're all about the legacy. We're all about the legendary. So we just try to find people who align with our values and our principles and being legendary and leaving the legacy. And we just try to get them on the pod and just shoot the stuff and, you know, just give you all some good content to listen to. It is great content. <laughs> And you know what? You also, this offseason, decided to join D.C. United's ownership team. Vamos United. You've got so much free time. Vamos. (laughs) Yeah, I see your tweets. You're you're, you're cheering on your squad all the time. How did you decide that you're a minority share owner, right? Is that that the proper terminology? Yes, ma'am. So how did you decide to pick that team, and why did you want to get involved in soccer, and why did you want to do it now? Well, they chose me. Uh Oh, okay. So it was a mutual. I met. Jason, in 2019 when I was in Baltimore, he came to one of my uh, Christmas shopping giveaways. Uh, We had some mutual friends that wanted us to meet, and um, he came to my Christmas shopping giveaway and um, watched that, and then afterwards, we had dinner, and he had his son with him. I had my uncle with me. Um, He had his friend who knows my uncle who wanted us to meet. We just had a great dinner, just sitting there talking about life, you know, and football and some of his business adventures and um essentially we just kept a relationship you know throughout that year throughout the next year and then earlier this year he came um just like mark i have an opportunity for you to check you know what i mean and um i I let my best friend chris burtley who i grew up with he's a he's an attorney i let him look at it for me and uh they were just going back and forth they were transparent about everything um all the details um we ironed all the things out. Everything we asked for, they they, they gave it to us. And um, I just think soccer is huge. You know, soccer is the world sport. You go anywhere else, football, they think soccer. You know what I mean? Right. So I just think there's so much room for growth in America uh, with, with, with soccer. We got the World Cup coming here in 2026. The MLS is growing rapidly. I mean, you can see it on ESPN. You see stars at all the MLS games. So the opportunity to become an owner, especially doing it while I'm still a player, um, and not just like towards the end of my career, like I still want to play many more years and I feel like I still have my best football ahead of me. But to be able to be in business, be in ownership while I'm still a player, um, I think was huge. And I think that was a tremendous opportunity. So he basically presented this opportunity to me. I showed it to my best friend who's an attorney who we grew up together. We uh, played football together, ran track together. He's an attorney now. He hashed it out with his, with their lawyers. They were transparent. Everything was just mutual. Everything was smooth, and it got approved through the MLS. And now, and now you're now, 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 you, now, now you're now, a part now, owner. Now I'm a part owner, minority owner of the most prestigious MLS club. You know they have four championships. We're trying to bring more, 
And, um, you know, it's just a great group. Jason, Steve, those guys uh, who are the main owners, they've had a success. And, and they've owned a Premier League team. They have owned NBA team. You know what I mean? So they just have a tremendous track record of having success in business and being sports owners. So be able to have those connections, be able to learn from them, grow with them, and uh, be an owner and, you know, tap into that industry. It's just a tremendous blessing, and I'm thankful. And Vamos United. Vamos United. There's a lot of professional athletes that are sort of venturing into, like, minority ownership and different pro sports teams. Now in this role with D.C. United, what is your responsibility? Do you do, do – are you interacting with the players? Are you in the locker room? I mean, you're, like, minority owner, but you're right. still very much a part of the team. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes, and how ma'am. do you do that with football? Yes, ma'am. So anything they need, I'm here. Like, I have coaches' information. I, I'm cool with some of the players. Jason, the owner, we had somebody vacate, like, a spot in the physical therapy. He asked me, did I know anybody that I that I had worked with? You know, I was able to refer a couple people, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm still active, involved with, you know, the business side of the MLS. Obviously, they know I'm focused on my season, but anything they need from me, I'm supporting them. They got a game Saturday night, so writing meetings, I'm going to be kind of like, peeking at my phone, making sure we're doing yeah. good. You know what I mean? But anything they need in any capacity, I sent I sent a video, an encouraging video to the team about uh, having a sports therapist, you know, a mental health therapist in sports. Uh, they asked me to do that. I'm here just to – a lot of the guys are young. I'm here to help them, support them anyway. Anything they need from me, any capacity, I'm here to help. And I'm just trying to learn. I'm trying to grow. Like when they have international break, I'm like, so, you know, it's an international break. Like, two weeks, they're not playing. Like, what are some things that we're focused on? Like, what are some things oh, okay. that, like, we're trying to get better at? And, like, Jason will, like, you know, break some things down to me. Okay, the transfer window is this. We might be trying to get a player from here. or We might be trying to sell a player there. Like, it's just crazy just to be able to learn the business side of it, especially being a player, you know, for Yeah, you're for seeing the other side of yeah, it. You're seeing now, the other side of now it. Now I'm seeing an owner's view of a sports team as well. So just to be able to grow in that capacity is something I'm super thankful for the opportunity and I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I'm just here to help the team in any capacity be successful and be one of the best teams uh, in the MLS. So anything they need from me, I'm here. All right. I read somewhere that when you were a kid, you used to play soccer. So yes. this is how you, you your passion for soccer grew. Yes. And that playing soccer is has actually helped you as a running back. Is that true? I feel like I played multiple sports. I played everything growing up, from soccer to baseball to basketball to running track to golf you know what I mean I did everything like I feel like all those sports you have to have different type of movements different type of you know reactions to to the way you move in the sport you know what I mean and also I feel, footwork I would think you have to have such good footwork yeah right? especially soccer. soccer I mean you're carrying uh, if you watch those guys play I mean it's like the balls velcro to their foot like right they just uh, 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 like their footwork is crazy but I think definitely soccer, you know, just the running stamina to be able to change directions, the footwork, I think that definitely kind of helped me. I played young, so I can't say it helped me super much, but I think growing as a young kid, just developing into an athlete, I think soccer definitely. So why didn't you stick with soccer? Why did you go football? My mom told me I came off the field after I scored like three goals in a game, and I told her I didn't want to play no more because the sun was beating on my head. So <laughs> That's how you yeah, quit soccer? Yeah, so it was hot, and the sun was beating on my head, and my mom said I didn't have to play no more. So I stopped playing soccer. But I'm like, I played football, the sun was beating on my head. But you had a helmet? Uh, yeah, Is that yeah, why? I played baseball, the sun was beating <laughs> on my head. Like, we played basketball outside sometimes, the sun was beating on my head. Ran track, the sun was beating on my head. Like, I don't know, but whatever it was, I was hot. It must have been a bad day. <laughs> you were having a the bad sun, day. Yeah, the sun was just maybe – 
it might have been one of the hottest days, but I stopped playing young. I just remember kicking the ball far, running faster than all the kids, boom, booting into the back of the net, scoring like three goals. Coach telling me I need to go on defense because I'm scoring too many goals. You know, kids, mm. kids sports is like they try to keep the score kind of close, right? Right. So then I'm on defense and the ball comes to me. I run down the field again, boom, kicking the ball, running faster than everybody, boom, kicking the ball, running faster than everybody, boom, putting it back in the net. You know what I mean? So I was a goal, ex- a goal scorer extraordinaire. You know what I mean? But that career was cut short. So, Well, I was going to say <laughs> maybe you might want to play soccer someday, but it sounds like the business side's really keeping you busy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those dudes are special. I don't know if I can get out there. It's a different yeah, league yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, Like, they be uh, – like, if you – I went to the World Cup, like, in Brazil, and uh, I've been to a couple of the English Premier League games, like in Arsenal. Uh, soccer is just amazing. Right. You know, football international is amazing. You think you go to a, an, an NFL game and you think the crowd is crazy. Like, if you've been to a World Cup or, like, an Arsenal game, any of those English Premier League games, those people are insane. They go crazy to chance. Everything is just wild. It's a special experience. And just the fact that I have uh, a little involvement in it, uh, I'm proud of that. That's pretty cool. All right, before I let you go, we're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Byers, the head coach. So when you were at Alabama, you faced off with him. Yeah. All right, so (laughs) you you faced off against Urban Meyer. What do you remember about him, and did you ever meet him in real life? I think I might have met him briefly, maybe like a handshake or like nice to meet you, but nothing crazy, but – uh, I just always remember, you know, he had those Florida teams, you know. Right. And they were really good. So one year um, we were beating them all the way through into the fourth quarter, and Tebow did some crazy stuff where he was yelling at the kickoff team and they ended up winning the game by, like, a field goal or something. Then we came back the next year. Same thing, one versus two, SEC championship. We romped them, romped them. Went to the, <laughs> we beat the mess out of them. <laughs> we beat the mess out of them, and then we went to the uh, national championship and won. But I just remember him having some good teams, great players, and you know his teams always kind of had high energy in college, and they had good players. So, but um, are you how excited are you to see him in the NFL and you get to we'll play? We'll see. Him? You know what I mean? We'll yeah. see how that goes, and um, you know, hopefully his first uh, debut isn't too good. But <laughs> or know, the second. Yeah, the, fr- <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. second time he plays. Yeah, the second, yeah, 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 yeah. Both yeah. times. But um, you know, I'm always you know, I'm not a hater. I want to see people do well. I want to see people do good, but. Um, just not against. Yeah, just not against. <laughs> just two times. You know, it'll be interesting to see how he does. You know, young quarterback, young team. You know, coach who has high energy and has had a, a track record of having success in, in college with Florida and Ohio State. So, you know, we'll see what he brings to the NFL. All right, we're looking forward to it. And always love the energy. Big trust. Check yes. out Trust Levels. Trust on, Levels. It's on, it's on iTunes hey, anywhere, and everywhere anywhere you, anywhere you get your podcast, <laughs> that's where we at. You know what I mean? Trust Levels. Me and my brother Cam Jordan. We had DeForest Buckner on. We got a lot of other guests coming to you guys. So check it out. Subscribe. Listen. Let us know what you think. Let us know how we could be better. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate the plug. Thank you so much. And you can catch him Sundays playing for the Texans this Sunday against Jacksonville. You already know that H-Town is going down. You already know. All right. Thanks so much, Mark. Let's talk soon. Yes. Thank you. Great stuff from Mark Ingram. We were actually chatting after this interview, and he – said that maybe I could be on his podcast, Trust Levels. Uh, You know, maybe he was joking, but I really wish I was recording on that. So I I just sort of laughed. Um, I'm sure that he can get a lot of different guests on his podcast. And I'm really looking forward to it. And if you haven't checked out, be sure to check it out. And also, he always posts a little preview on Instagram as well. So you can see sort of the highlights and the clips of every week's podcast. So I should have known that they pre-recorded those in the off-season. I felt like 
that was a given. It makes a lot of sense. So now I'm going to go back and listen and see every week the timelessness of the interviews because when they record them in the summer, here's an inside tip. When you're recording things in the summer, you have to make sure it still lives during the season. So nothing major, you can't ask them about anything major in the off season when things could change when the season starts. Like, oh, you're starting quarterback when you don't know who it is. You know, like for the Colts and DeForest Buckner. Nobody really knew what was going on with, um, you know, obviously Carson Wentz. Nobody knew that he was going to have an injury in the preseason or what was going to happen there. So anyway, just an example. I thought that was really interesting and, and good to note. And you know what? He's going to keep the podcast coming since they are pre-recorded. All right. Well, this is definitely not pre-recorded. The game that is on Sunday, the Texans host the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll be there live. We're going to have the pre-game show, Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. You can catch... Um, all the top stories heading into the game, actives, inactives. I know there's a lot of big questions for this week for the Texans. Who's going to start at wide receiver on the O-line? We've got our guesses, but you know what? You really never, never know until Sunday's game when those inactives come out and as well as some of the top storylines. We also answer your fan questions too. Um, but in the meantime, I had a lot of questions for J.P. Shadrick about this Jaguars team that we really don't know much about. We've seen the names, we've seen the draft picks, but when you put it all together, what does this team look like? What can the Texans expect for their week one matchup? We get into it on the Deep Slam podcast presented by Xfinity. JP, I talk to you twice a year. It's week one. You've got to be excited. The Jaguars opening up the Urban Meyer era and the Trevor Lawrence era right here at Energy Stadium on Sunday. It's been a long time coming, DP. It's always great to visit with you. And here we are on kickoff weekend finally. And what an offseason it's been for the Jaguars organization. First of all, finishing 1-15, which is not great, but that means the number one overall pick is coming. And people pretty much knew right away, no matter who the coach was going to be, that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the pick. And then Urban Meyer comes in, one of the all-time winningest head coaches in college football, has a history just down the road at Gainesville as well. So, you know, it's a big swing by ownership to go out and get Urban Meyer in here to reestablish the culture and and own the Jaguar head logo again. That's the tagline these days from Urban is own it. You know, be proud of that logo again. That's really where it started in the offseason. So we're here now and have a quarterback and play a retool defense. And, you know, there's a lot of optimism around Jacksonville right now. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I, I do feel like there's so much optimism, you know, after finishing one and 15, getting the number one overall pick, a new head coach. How does that change the expectations? I always find that so interesting because while there's a lot of optimism, are expectations high or, or what are people expecting of this Jaguars team in 2021? I think it depends on who you ask. There is a part of, I guess, every fan base, but certainly the Jaguars fan base thinks they're going 17 and 0 this year. Well, reality <laughs> might set in pretty quick here. It is a team still that went one in 15. There are a lot of new parts around here. You know, a few weeks ago at the start of the preseason, uh, Jaguars owner Shad Khan joined us on pregame radio, and I, I asked him a similar question. What are your expectations for this season and beyond? And he said, sustainable success, year-over-year -year improvement. What does that mean for year one? Didn't have an answer for that. But, hey, you know, at some point set the foundation and then in the years to come be a consistent football team that is in the hunt for the playoffs and beyond every year. So that might not be right away. There might be some bumps in the road with a rookie quarterback and a, a new NFL head coach, you know, but you know, if they get something going early, you get a little momentum. You do have some veteran players around on this team too. You never know. That's the expectation. I think just set the foundation. Everything I think DP revolves around the quarterback. Anything you do is to get him right 
or get him improved or help him move along to the next week, whatever that is, because he is your 10 to 15 year quarterback. At least that's the idea right now here in Jacksonville. All right. So it's all going to happen with urban Meyer, obviously so much success in college. You know, what is he like as an NFL head coach? Did he have to adapt his style at all? What was that transition like going from college to NFL or is he the same guy that we've seen through all those years in college? Well, you know, in the, in the years in college, it's a different environment. You're dealing with teenagers. First of all, you know, 18, 19 year olds, when they come in, you're sitting in a living room when the kid's 16, trying to get them to come there. Uh, now you're dealing with 23, four or five year olds or, or older in many instances, and they've been around the league and okay, maybe the, the messaging might be a, a little bit different, but the messaging is what Urban Meyer really hung his hat on and the attention to detail and preparation every week. That's not going to change for Urban. I mean, the guy's written books on organizational theory and, and how to get a football team ready to play. That's what he knows. And, you know, there might be occasionally a veteran that might, okay, it might be said a different way. It's still the same idea, I think, that he'll have in college. Uh, and if for some reason down the road, there's a, a veteran or somebody that just can't handle it or is not happy they'll find somebody else to do it. That's the way it's going to be. Urban's going to be here for a while. It's his organization now. Uh, he believes in certain way things are done organizationally. And as time comes along in the NFL, he might adjust some of that just because of the personalities involved. But as of right now, he's really kind of setting the tone there. Now, I will say he is very close to the players, it feels like. Shad Khan, the owner, and Urban Meyer, the offseason, and, and, and the GM, Trent Balk, he all made a point to give everything the players need to be right. All this rejuvenation things, and they've added a lot of um, um, infrastructure here in the building to help players get right and, and want to keep them around here and not have to go spend their own money somewhere else to go get right after a football game. That's step one. And Urban has a pretty good relationship with a, a, a lot of the veteran guys on this team and brings a few of those guys in on a weekly basis to get their ideas on how to approach things maybe differently. So He's not just going in, you know, flying blind and, hey, this is my way. He is listening to a lot of things. But I think at the end of the day, what he feels is right, He's what he's going to do. He's going to get every, um, every bit of information he can from people who've been around the league, which he did before he got the job. And now that's even the case now. All right. What about Trevor Lawrence? Because, you know, when OTA started, it seemed like he was under a microscope. Everybody was mm -hmm. dissecting every single throw, all of his performances. You've been there the whole time. So, when you look back and, and look at the forest through the trees, you know, where have you seen the most growth from him, the most improvement? You know, what does he still need to work on? Trevor is is everything that's been advertised, I think, so far. You know he's going to have a pretty good handle of how the offense is going and, you know, getting the ball out to the right place. And he can make pretty much every throw in the field, at least so far we've seen in practice, which is great news. I think the speed will be interesting to watch. Yes, he was in the ACC, and yes, he had a lot of success at a high level. And uh, But that's a lot of times the, the first time out against an, a true NFL defense, not a second-team preseason defense anymore. Uh, a half step's a big deal. Can he anticipate certain things in the regular season that might come his way? Uh, you know, it, it feels like he has it above the shoulders to deal with that, but I think there, there will be some times where he, he throws interceptions. I mean, you look at – I actually went this week and looked at number one overall pick quarterbacks. And in the common draft era from 67 to now, there have been 25 previous number one overall pick quarterbacks 
in their first career start, four wins, 20 losses, and one tie. And none of them performed well, even in the wins. So there's going to be a little bit of growing uh, that happens with Lawrence here. He's going to throw some interceptions. It might not look great at times, but you know there are times where he's going to be able to overcome that with his arm talent down the field and the, the guys you have outside on offense. I'm confident in him. I'm confident in his ability to learn the offense, adjust, adapt when things aren't going well. If he has to use his legs, he can do that too. Uh, just trust the people around you. I think that's probably the thing with, with Lawrence. He's got a veteran offensive line to help him out and some, some veteran players outside as uh, skilled players that he can lean on here. JP, you forgot to mention who the last number one overall pick was that won their NFL debut. I believe you hmm. tweeted it out. The last one was David Carr back in 2002 <laughs> with the Houston Texans, right? He didn't perform well that day either, DP. It didn't matter. We'll take the win. It was the it was against the Cowboys. It was Sunday Night Football. I was actually at the game, not working, but as a fan, and it was probably one of my favorite favorite NFL memories because it was that was a lot of fun. All right, so Trevor Lawrence is a starting quarterback. Urban Meyer announced it, but there seemed to be some hesitation before he announced his starting quarterback in camp. Was that just a matter of giving Lawrence enough time or did something change? Did he want to see something out of his young quarterback before he named him the starter? I think he gave his word to Gardner Minshew the second that he would give him an opportunity in camp to go work out with the ones. And Urban actually said that early when this thing first started, it wasn't a great relationship with Gardner Minshew because, you know, they just drafted the number one overall quarterback and he had, he read the writing on the wall, but, as time went along, they, the relationship grew a little bit, Urban and Gardner, and he, he said, hey, we're going to give you a chance to go out with the ones, do some things. Those chances came and went, and they didn't really go that well. And it was pretty clear that, obviously, Trevor Lawrence was a lot better in those situations than Gardner Minshew. So he, he held up his end of the bargain. Gardner had his opportunity. They traded him on for a sixth-round pick, maybe a fifth if he plays in three games, half of three games this year. So you move on, and that's fine. I think that's what it was all about. It was always Trevor's job. I think you, they put it out there as, okay, Trevor has to go out and perform. He can't just lollygag through the preseason. You still have to go perform and play. All right. Well, the Texans have five running backs on their roster right now. And the Can we Jaguars borrow one? Only, the Jags only have three, two of which were former Texans, Carlos Hyde and Dari Agumboel. And it looks like Duke Johnson is on the practice squad there. And, of course, James Robinson, the undrafted, now in his second year. What do you expect out of that run game? Are they going to rely more on Trevor's mobility, or do you foresee a three-down back there for Jacksonville? Well, Urban on Monday said that, uh, yeah, there will not be any cold runs for Trevor Lawrence, you know, as much as he, you know, might want to do that with his past offenses in college. Uh, they've got other people they pay to do that now, and uh, Trevor's an important piece, let's say, of the offense. So, yeah, James Robinson going in the year two. The entire offensive line is back, DP. They're very confident in that front five um, from left to right, all the way across the board. And they have some younger guys behind those players that can fill in if needed or when needed. So, And they ran the ball last year when that's the only thing they could do. I mean, they couldn't throw the ball down the field. They had three quarterbacks play last year. All they knew how to do was run the football when teams are stacked up in the box against them. So there's some confidence there. The, the piece that really hurts is Travis Etienne done for the year. He was the first-round pick at the end of the first round this year and hurt his foot, surgery. He's out for the season. He's on IR before the 53, so he's done. 
that was going to be a big piece to spread out this offense. Some he was going to line up at receiver in the slot, free snap motion things. And he's just not there for that. So how do they fill that role? I don't think you can with one guy. It's a combination of uh, different things in offense. That's why Duke Johnson, I think might be here at some point. He's on the practice squad now as a pass catching option out of the backfield. LaVisca Chenault might do some of that pre-snap motion things and, and maybe line up in the backfield. Some he's done that before. It's going to be a, a by committee to fill what Travis Etienne, I think, was going to be for this offense. But the thing is, we never saw it, you know? I mean, so they don't have to admit, oh, Travis Etienne was going to do all these things, though they did say that in the offseason. So how do, they, how do they manage that? How do they figure out some wrinkles in this offense around Trevor Lawrence? And I think they've got enough different bodies where they can get by with it, I think, early. The long-term play, it, does it does it – you might get a weekend and then everybody will have a book on, on that. How do you adjust as the weeks go on with limited resources in terms of personnel? All right. I saw that DJ Chark uh, hurt his hand in camp, but is expected back for week one against the Texans. What does his presence do to sort of boost that offense? And is it much of a concern that he didn't get those reps in camp with Trevor Lawrence? You know, how do you foresee him getting back into the fold? He had a hairline fracture in his middle finger on his right hand early in training camp. So he missed a lot of the preseason, uh, but he was back the last couple of weeks working off to the side in full pads, running routes. And so it was fine. It was a very minor uh, procedure that he had done. So he's confident. He talked uh, last week. He's ready to go and get back and, and, and be on time with Trevor and all these things, but you have to go play. That's the one thing now for, for Chark, he, they feel like, He's the deep threat. He's the guy that can go down the field, can jump up and, and make those 50-50 catches and all those things. Uh, it is a big year for DJ. It's his contract year. It's the fourth year for him as a second-round pick, and he has a Pro Bowl on his resume already. He'd love to have another one in a contract year. So this is a big moment for him. And I think uh, they had a pretty good offseason together. Chark uh, and, and Lawrence and the crew were all together. They went up to Clemson and – and did some things in the offseason on their own, which is a good start, good sign. Uh, I think Chark is going to be okay. I, I'm just curious. I, I couldn't tell you a number. What, what's he going to get this year? What's this offense really going to look like? I, you really don't know yet because it's all brand new. But you, you have a pretty good idea if he can stay healthy that Chark can be that guy down the field with Marvin Jones and the you know a veteran player who can run routes crisply and, and be a reliable presence. And then Chenault is the big physical receiver. There are different types of bodies, different types of receivers. And Chark is the guy they just didn't have. They didn't have a downfield threat at all in the preseason until the very last game when they had to sign guys off the street to come play and run go routes, right? They didn't have any of that in the first couple of weeks. Now the full arsenal's back. There should be some play down the field. All right. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Jags defense, because obviously they hired a new defensive coordinator like the Texans did. Um, they hired the Ravens D-line coach, uh, Joe Cullen, I can't quite figure out if it's a 3-4 or a 4-3 or what it is, but what? how can you describe this Jaguars defense and, and what's the transition been like for the players? I guess you'll just have to find out on Sunday, DP. That's the, how that's <laughs> going, of course. It's a 3-4 in the depth chart. Uh, Joe Cullen has said they're going to be multiple, so they might have some four-down lineman looks. They might have some two-down lineman looks. They might have uh, dime packages come in and personnel changes all over the board. That's what they are envisioning here. And remember Baltimore, I mean, they, they blitzed from all over the place. I mean, that's probably an idea of what this thing could look like. 
but it is all new. It's newer than anything on offense. I mean, the entire defensive line for the most part is new, except for Josh Allen and Caleb on chase on. They're now officially outside linebackers. And then you got a new linebacker in the middle and Damian Wilson alongside miles Jack, the uh, middle of the defensive line is, is all free agency or a young player in De- Devon Hamilton at nose tackle. Four out of the five starters in the projected starting secondary are new to the organization this year. It's a lot of change. They had like 11 different lineups in the secondary last season. So it was a, it was a disaster. So now they feel like they fixed that. We don't know. What's it really going to look like? How much does Joe Cullen want to blitz? What kind of matchups can he change each week? I think it could be a week-to-week kind of defense. They might have different looks depending on the scenario. They're not just going to be the Steelers and roll out 3-4 every week, no matter what, for 20 years. That's not – that's we're by God, we're the Steelers. That's what we do. That's not the feel here. I think they're going to adjust week-to-week, and and depending on the personnel and the matchups, you might see a different-looking front, different-looking setup every week. All right, so the Jags added a lot of free agents, much like the Texans. If you had to pick heading into 2021, the one free agent acquisition that you think is going to make this, the biggest impact on this Jags team, who would it be? Biggest free agent acquisition. Well, I mean, we talked about the secondary. Shaq Griffin got a lot of money to come in here in free agency at cornerback, and that's a position where they really need it. And, you know, C.J. Henderson has had an inconsistent offseason on and off the field. Is he ready to go? That's a big question mark on the other side. If not, then the role of Shaq Griffin is that much bigger because uh, he's really the top guy outside. So I'd say him. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins at safety is another one of those that came in. He's going to start right away, it feels like, which is big. And then uh, on the defensive line, Ray, uh, Roy Robertson-Harris came in from the Bears. That's a big hit. They actually traded for Malcolm Brown, but I would count him in that as, as a new guy also. So that's on defense. Marvin Jones, right? I mean, 10th year player wide receiver was at the Lions the last couple of years and had some solid, strong numbers actually for a guy in his ninth year then. Now going into year number 10, veteran presence, gets it. Good for a young quarterback, good for a younger wide receiver room. That's a few. I mean, they spend a lot of money in free agency, so I could go all day on this topic. All right, JP, thanks so much. JP of the Jaguars Radio Network, also on touch Touchdown Radio, calling college games. JP, where are you going to be calling college games from this weekend? Well, this week we'll be at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa as the South Florida Bulls play host to the number 11 Florida Gators. And South Florida has not scored a point this season. They were shut out last week against NC State. The Gators had 400 yards rushing last week in their opener against Florida Atlantic, including Anthony Richardson, the backup quarterback with about a buck 60 on his own. So it'll be a fun environment. One o'clock Saturday at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Had a lot of fun listening to you in that Alabama Miami game last week as well. So JP, always a pleasure. And then Sunday, uh, you'll be covering our game as we look to kick off this 2021 season. Always a pleasure chatting, JP. DP, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, thanks for having me on again. Always fun to go behind enemy sidelines with my friends from around the league. So we'll keep that coming um, as the Texans face their opponents every single week. You can catch it also on HoustonTexans.com, the video versions of all these interviews. And you know what? Check out HoustonTexans.com for all the stories throughout the week and more. But that's going to do it for this week's podcast. I know it was a long one. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the pregame show. Check out our shows on Saturday night. We've got Texans Extra Points at 1030, followed by Texans 360, which I host. That's at 1105 on ABC 13. And, you know, a lot of great stuff throughout the week. A lot of great content. 
that we have been producing throughout this off season. So I'm excited for you all to see it as week one premieres this week on CBS. You can also catch the game on Sports Radio 610. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Slant podcast presented by Xfinity. And as always, go Texans.